This is Connor. And this is Paul. This is Fergal. And, and welcome, welcome, to, welcome Silver to Silver Screamers. Silver Screamers. Oh my god, that was all out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Christ almighty. <laughs> Your channel jumping decade hopping film podcast. We have a guest on our podcast today. Welcome, Fergo, from our friend our podcast listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. It's great to be here. Uh, big fan of the show. I have to say, I dropped out around the Disney um, period because I just haven't really watched any of those films. Um, so <gasps> apologies about that. But um, I was kind of thinking of going. On, right. I was thinking of going on a Disney binge and, and catching up with all those. But I, I never watched like The Little Mermaid or what were the other ones you did yeah. again? We did The Little Mermaid. We did. Lady and the Tramp. Uh, we did yeah. Brave. And what was the fourth one, Con? Uh, ooh. That's really bad. I can't remember now. What was it? Oh, Fantasia. Oh, yeah. Oh, so Fantasia. I have yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen Lady and the Tramp, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, but like probably about 30 years ago, I'd say at this point. But, uh, uh, do you have Disney Plus? Come on. Do you have Disney Plus? No, I don't, actually. I was looking at it there. I see it's available through Sky now. Um, so I was thinking yeah. of just getting it just even for the... I think you get a free month to, um, to, to you probably it. do, actually, yeah. I actually had Apple TV, and I had a reminder of my... Uh, I got it last year around this time, and I had a reminder of my calendar because uh, I got a year free trial. And I had a, a reminder to say, uh, oh, Apple are going to start charging you for this. And I haven't right. used it in an entire year. So I'm just going <laughs> to... Big see, free like, trial. I know, There's so I much, mean? so many streaming services. Like I have Amazon Prime, Netflix, Spotify, obviously, and all that crap. Like, but like, I don't know if I have room in my life for another one. But I would like to just have a look at Disney Plus, just because it has loads of stuff that's not available anywhere else. So it's I might really, get it. really good, actually. Yeah, we're using yeah, it. It is good. Um, and obviously that Disney period we used a lot. And I watched the Mala- the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, which is really, really good. Oh yeah. Well, this Paul's is going to come into. Paul's really <laughs> going to come into my. That I went ahead on the Mandalorian. <laughs> So I was going to say, this is going to come into my thing when you ask me about films that I don't like uh, that everyone else likes. So, uh. <gasps> oh, okay, well, maybe that would be a nice transition. <laughs> well, maybe that would be a nice transition, actually, because uh, well, it's tradition here when we have a guest that we ask them a couple of films that they love uh, and then one film that they hate that everyone else seems to like and then one film that they like that everyone else seems to hate. So maybe use that as a transition. Is it Star Wars? So, okay, so films that I... Uh, hate is a strong word, isn't it? Films that I don't <laughs> like, that everyone else seems to like, uh, are Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Um, <gasps> High five for Lord of the Rings. High five for Ooh. Lord of the Rings. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard you saying that before. Uh, so, I'll tell you, I saw the first two Lord of the Rings films in the cinema, and I fell asleep during both of them. And <laughs> I, don't, I'm not, I don't mean in a jokey kind of way, like, ha-ha, it's so boring, I fell asleep. I literally fell asleep during both of them. Um, and then I saw the third one as well, but I just think it's... That type of stuff, like well, I kind of I like listening to music about that type of stuff, but actual watching wizards and things like that and fucking um, am I allowed to swear? Sorry, yeah, <laughs> you can swear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wizards and goblins and all that type of stuff. It's just like ah, oh, it's just tiresome. I don't know what it is. Like, and the films are about three hours long each as well. And oh, tell me about it. <laughs> and it's like 
I mean, like I can't remember Gandalf and, and the other guy. Like they'd be having a battle, and like you're like, what? What are the limit of their powers? Because like, there's no <laughs> limits in place. How do I know who can win here? Like, uh, who, who am I going to root for here? Because like, like they do like a big explosion or something, or they, like a big blast of power. Like, and I don't whatever. Like, and the other wizard would be thrown to the whatever other corner of the scene, and you're like, okay, like, but like, can the other guy just come back now? Like, what? What's the limit of of who who's who's, yeah, who's okay, the most powerful? Yeah, that's a fair argument. Yeah. So like yeah. uh, like with things like Harry Potter and magic and wizards and stuff, I'm never really that into it. Um, and then Star Wars, like I never watched the original trilogy when I was younger. Um, I did eventually watch the very first one, but I did go to see the prequel series, uh, the first episode one and episode two in the cinema. And again, I was just bored to death. Um, oh. I just n- not into the mythology really. Just it doesn't do it for me. And um, I don't know space. I don't know space doesn't really do it for me either. Um, it's it not as me, me now for a good reason. <laughs> See, is it fantasy in general? Because I actually would argue. I would argue that Star Wars is more fantasy than it is sci-fi. Yeah, so maybe, maybe fantasy just not your thing. Possibly Fant- it is fantasy. Mm. Um, is it? Is that not like saying it, Star Trek is like fantasy? I would say that's more. It's no, because Star Trek is very f- philosophical. It's talking about big ideas. There's no chosen one. Star Wars is always about the, is all about the chosen one. The, the Force is basically magic. Uh, I think it's a fantasy set in space. I don't know. As don't opposed know, to just, Star just Trek, which you is have more telekinetic powers. It means it's fantasy automatically. No, yeah, but it, I think the the quest of the hero, the it has tropes of a fantasy rather than tropes of a science fiction. Science fiction mm-hmm. is more about like technology, uh, man using technology and kind of abusing it well, and true. kind of looking I, at I itself. Mean, there, there's a lot of technology talking and science in Star Trek and in Star Wars. It's yeah, just all Star Wars. They're not interested. Do so. lightsabers and stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like I've I've dipped in and out of Star Trek over the years. Like, and I always thought it was more about human conflicts and like. Uh, like decision making and you know uh i don't know Moral just like uh, uh like um morality and stuff like that whereas mm, like mm, S- star wars to me just seems like i don't know like they they can create like 15 new aliens in in the new star wars film and like and i honestly don't give a toss about any of them <laughs> yeah well, that's true yeah like in star trek you have like the, the romulans and the klingons and the, the you know you have these very distinct species and the politics of all that and in star yeah. wars it's just oh look now this thing has a trunk and this thing has wings jar jar binks like come on give oh, me well, a break yeah. <laughs> this this one's jamaican <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah so those types of films i am not too into then I, I do feel kind of a bit socially retarded that i haven't seen star wars properly like i haven't seen the empire strikes back or return of the jedi and i know these are like um huge milestones in, in film yeah, and cinema yeah. and I, I, I am tempted to just go and watch them all in a big blitz just to say that I've watched them and maybe to see if I actually can find some enjoyment out of them but I did watch the first one a few years ago and it didn't really do for me too much the, the, the original one like A New Star- Hope with, with yes, the, the, and, yeah, 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 like episode 4 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do feel starting with episode one, the nineteen ninety was it ninety nine or something. I mm. feel that was probably a mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it was just because three are well. Although episode three is pretty good, I went to see that no, twice. It's not. In the no, it's not. But that's you saw that recently. I had a crush yeah. on Hayden Christensen. <laughs> you we have, for years you've been like you never saw that it's really good. It's the best of three of them. And only about a month ago, you, I was like, fine, we'll watch it. And no, it was shite. <laughs> the only reason I went to see them is because they were out in the cinema when I was like yeah, I used to go to the cinema a lot more as a teenager and early 20s uh, don't really go as much anymore um, but 
I'd be in the cinema all the time. Like, so those were the films that were on back then, you know, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Whatever. Yeah, they were massive when they were yeah. released. Um, okay, cool. So that's the films that you that you dislike that everyone else loves. What about the opposite then? Films that you like that other people don't seem to like? Uh, so, Tis the Season. I don't know when this is going out, uh, but it's the 19th of December now. So, uh, this film gets a lot of stick, but I think it's brilliant. And I'm going to say Love Actually um, okay. is, is a great film, I think. Um, I now, think, I it's, think... Uh, I think our one of our previous guests, Darina, said that as well. Even though there was a whole lot of feminist issues or something. Oh yeah, she that loved right? it. Even though, yeah, 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 she did say that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, well, what, what, I, why that film, for example? Specifically, the the storyline with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson, I just think is brilliant. Like I've seen yeah, that film good. like five or six times, and I just think there's really good acting in it. And like when uh, Emma Thompson's character, she gets the um, the Joni Mitchell CD, and she thinks it's going to be the piece of jewelry that she kind of found earlier yeah. on in the film and just the, the scene where she's like holding back the tears and then she has to go downstairs and she has to be a mother to her children and then i also like the bill nye character the rock star guy i think that's right, brilliant okay. and your man who plays rabsy nesbitt i don't know the actor's name um but uh that that storyline is great and laura linney as well big fan of her um i just think she's a really good actress she has this like understated kind of um i don't know what what you'd say like it's just like I'm fed up of all your nonsense kind of <laughs> aura to her or something like that. But mm. she's also has like a lot of emotion and a lot of um, kindness to her as well, I find. like, And I, I just think she's brilliant. And uh, that's kind of the only story in it that's unresolved at the end, I suppose. Or, uh, yeah, um, I like that. I like that not every single story is wrapped up. Like she doesn't get her happy ending. And that's good because, that's you know, real life. has yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not rated too badly on IMDb or anything like that. IMDb, um, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's it's I, I see it getting a lot of stick in the media and social media, whatever. But I think it's brilliant, and uh, love actually is all around. <laughs> I actually find that I've I've only I only saw that for the first time not too long ago. Um, I don't know. I kind of found it a bit forgettable. As as you're talking about it there and going, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. But the only real storyline I remember is Alan Rickman and uh, Emma Thompson because that was probably a, that was a heart wrencher. But yeah. apart from that, I find it like I find it a bit forgettable. Sorry, that one more thing is brilliant. I think actually I, I quite like the Hugh Grant and uh, Martine McCutcheon story as well, and where he's like the Prime Minister and she's his new secretary. And uh, oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, so he obviously like fancies her from like the minute she gets the job or whatever, or he gets the job. And um, there's one really brilliant part. Like it's perfect, uh, Hugh Grant. It's what he excels at. He's walking by her in the corridor in whatever Downing Street or whatever, and he wants to say hello to her, but he doesn't quite know what to do. So he walks by and he goes hi. <laughs> <laughs> two seconds later he just looks disgusted with himself he's like oh you you asshole <laughs> i just think that's brilliant um yeah so i actually love hugh grant i think hugh grant's great in yeah, general he, i think he's I, he's limited you know in his his range but that's fine well he does he does well yeah i mean he can play hugh grant better than anybody else anyway. yeah <laughs> I, th- I think he, think he realizes he's limited as well yeah. Well, apparently he's really good in this new Nicole Kidman drama. He's it's like a thriller, and he's really good in it. Uh, that film, Love Actually, is a bit of a film in our family. It would be a film that we would have watched a lot together, and I find it a really enjoyable watch. I think I think it's just that, like looking back on it, it probably hasn't aged great. I think you can watch films that are maybe problematic and still enjoy them, and just acknowledge that. Oh, that's a bit. Mm. That's a bit like uh, like don't they keep on inferring that Martin McCutcheonson is really fat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she's obviously not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's he's like, oh, th- 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 what's the secretary's name? And his PA is like, the fat girl. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the, the chubby girl is like, would we call her chubby? Would we call <laughs> Oh, huge thigh, sir. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was also a, a, the this hasn't aged well as well, that there was a gay storyline that was written in and then the, the heads of the studio were like, nah, let's write that out. We, uh, oh, really? We Did they write it out? I yeah. There was a uh, lesbian story that was written out. Uh, right. And uh, and then there's also there's one story that I think because it's quite a family friendly film, and then mm-hmm. there's this one tiny little storyline where there's just uh, Martin Freeman and your woman from um, oh what's that James Corden was in that oh yeah they're, they're porn stars yeah they're porn stars and like they're like like it's just it's a weird in this fluffy family film there's just this woman getting her tits out and like simulating sex with someone uh, Gavin and Stacey just, she's in that's it Gavin yeah, and Stacey yeah, yeah that actress uh, and it's just like oh right okay that's not that I don't have a problem with it it you just felt say, weird you this is a family favourite Paul <laughs> <laughs> well it's kind of it's very unsexy I mean I don't know if anyone's like watching oh I can't wait to see Martin Freeman <laughs> get it on I was going to say that's, yeah that kind of sticks out a bit now that you mention it yeah uh, but no it is I, 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 I kind of would put it in my guilty pleasure category there you go no guilty pleasures just pleasure well that's right you're right actually that's not a nice thing to say actually you're right we should just enjoy what we enjoy uh okay so putting aside any likes or dislikes just what would be your your a couple of films that you would uh if you had a dvd player on a desert island what would you bring yeah right so i have a bit of a list here so these are films i could watch again and again and again um Mm. and there's there's quite a few i'm not going to talk about all of them but uh see if you notice the theme here right so misery goodfellas fiction reservoir dogs falling down the shawshank redemption the rock scream in the line of fire Actiony, gangstery, Stephen King. Stuff. A few times there. Uh, actually, they're all from the nineties. Um, oh right, yeah, okay, yeah. So I actually think when I look back on films that I really enjoy and ones that I will revisit all the time, I think the nineties was my favorite decade for films. I just think there's such a rewatchability to nineties, mm. especially nineties action films. But just I don't know what it is. It, it's it, it's probably nostalgia. A- yeah, do you think that's a sort of oh, that's the era I grew up in, and that's what I'll always go back to? It's probably that. Yeah, it's probably a bit of nostalgia and stuff like that. But like, I watched Falling Down there the other night, and it's just like I've, I've seen that film probably about seven or eight times, and it's just brilliant. Like, it's just everything yeah. about it. It's it's the, like um, from the opening scene right until the end, you're captivated, even though you've seen it so many times. I also watched The Rock a while ago again, and it's my favorite action film of all time, and. Like the acting isn't very good or anything like that, but it's just uh, it just has a certain charm to it or something. And I, I find the charm has gone out of action films in the last two decades uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I think uh, okay. falling or sorry, falling down. I remember that. I remember an old VHS in my aunt's house of falling down um, back in the nineties, and I think she gave it to us and watching that and going, n- not really understanding it at the time, but but kind of going, oh, this is really good acting. By Michael Douglas, I can I yeah. know that this is really good acting, and this is somebody who's lived things that I haven't experienced yet. You know, yeah. I um, find as as the older I get, it the more and more I can relate to him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a ham coffee yeah. or a hamburger. <laughs> um, and then I, I, the Rock as well. I would go. I would. I really enjoyed the Rock as well. I think that's a great. That was before Michael Bay went to Michael Bay see I've never seen Transformers or any of those things so I only learned in retrospect that it was him who directed it but um, mm. my favourite line from that is uh, from Sean Connery rest in peace uh, losers always whine about their best but winners go <laughs> home and fuck the prom queen 
Oh my god, it's, is Sean Connery back from the dead? Is he on our podcast? Uh, I've never seen The Rock. Oh, Jesus, you have to watch it. Ooh, well, that's, that's well do you know what? If you're watching it in the first for the first time in 2020, maybe it won't have as much of an impact. But um, back as uh, whatever I was, 12-year-old back in the 90s, yeah, it was just brilliant. brilliant. He, he's breaking into Alcatraz, not escaping from Alcatraz. That's the <laughs> Is that pre Armageddon? Because Armageddon was an early Michael Bay film, which was yeah. The Rock was ninety six. I think Armageddon was ninety eight. Okay, okay. So that's when Michael Bay kind of hit the scene. He hasn't really made a good film since Armageddon, I don't think. Uh, I will say as well, the original Halloween is one of my favorites ever, and I can watch that again and again. Um, uh, I'll say it's a bit better than Halloween three. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder will it be high on our list. I love it, and I, I love I love like seventies and eighties horror, like even the cheesy kind of crap stuff. But um, I could I've watched like all the Friday the Thirteenth, and I think I've I've watched all the Halloweens other than the um Rob Zombie ones. I haven't watched those, um, but I, I like that type of stuff. Like, but I, I do like a good a- acting film. Like I like um like Glen Gary Glen Gary Glen Ross is one of my favorite films ever. Um, and it's, oh, will you go to lunch? Go to <laughs> lunch. <laughs> yeah. You stupid! You're a child! You fairy! Stupid fucking cunt. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I love that film. I love Al Pacino, uh, Robert De Niro, anything like that. Um, and uh, There Will Be Blood as well. It's one of my f- really good films. Oh, I've not seen that. In recent years. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it. Um, lots, lots of other stuff as well, but there's a few. That might be a nice little transition because you, uh, you were saying Halloween is one of your favorites. And this week we are doing Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. But Connor, before we do that, do you want to tell everyone what we're listening to? Sure. You're listening to Silver Screamers. Silver Screamers is our film podcast where we pick a theme or genre and dissect four films in that theme or genre from different decades. And this week we are covering Halloween 3, Season of the Witch in our Season of the Witch series. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it, I mean, it's called Season of the Witch, and that's why we picked it, but I suspect you didn't really do much research, Khan. <laughs> it just, uh, films about witches. Too much. There's a lot of things called Season of the Witch. Like, there is a film also called Season of the yeah, Witch. Yeah, Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, I only saw that there, yeah. I had never seen this film before. Have you Had you seen this before, Fergal, this film? Halloween 3. Halloween 3. Yeah. Yes, I had seen it before. Yeah, I saw it once and I quite enjoyed it at the time. Um, I won't spoil how I felt about it this time. <laughs> and Con, had you seen it before? I had. I so I went through. I think I said this back when we were doing the original Halloween. I went through a Halloween phase a couple of years ago, and I just watched them all. Uh, now I couldn't. When I I only remembered this one when I was watching it. I couldn't really remember it, and then I just remembered that it's a big pile of poo. Um, <laughs> So I will spoil how I feel about it. I spoil <laughs> how I feel about it quite a lot during this episode. Uh, I was actually, uh, you know, I was thinking. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of, uh, you know, you know, I do my little intro and I say your decade jumping, yeah. hopping thing. And I was trying to think of something for this, and then I was like, you know, this doesn't deserve that kind of respect. Oh uh, wow! So I'm just going to do the standard default one this time around. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> Okay, I didn't even actually, I was more worried about having to sing a <laughs> stupid song on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's an interesting idea behind this. I think I actually really like the idea of a, a franchise where almost like, you know, like a book of short stories where every short story is about Christmas or Halloween. I like the idea of a franchise where once a year they release a film 
about Halloween and there's no link other than maybe the director and the you know and the theme of Halloween but it's just a pity that this is <laughs> this is the result because I don't think this is a, a very good film at all personally no well there you are Virgo we'll go on spoilers Virgo what did you what did you think <laughs> I was wondering where my place are right do, am I right, Virgil, in saying that you kind of messaged saying, oh, we should do this movie? I did, yeah. <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I got the idea. Uh, did. Thanks for that. <laughs> do you, uh, hey, it was an early Christmas present. <laughs> well, we, we had a good run of films that we liked, so it was about time we rinsed the film. Uh, but no, I, but I, but you, well, what do you think, Virgil? What's, what's your overall thoughts on the film? I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did the first time. Um, and I can't really explain why I did enjoy it as much as I did the first time. But um, I thought it was decent, but not great. How about that? Uh, as a summary. This time around? Yeah. Or the original time around? This time. And like, I've lots, I've lots of stuff to pick at like in this. Like, I've loads of little notes here about ridiculous stuff in it. Like, But um, I, I thought um, the guy who plays... Um, What's his name? Dan O'Hurley, the the main villain guy. I thought he was pretty good. Um, Connell. Uh, oh yeah, so he played Connell Cochran. Bond villain kind of vibe to him. Uh, the doctor, alcoholic guy. You know, he was like a TV actor from the eighties or something. He's like, he's nothing special about him. Uh, and your one Nancy crops up from Halloween as well. Uh, yes, she does. Ruby, she's in everything. Uh, she's one of the worst actresses I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So that is. I heard actually. She she. I I, re- I was reading trivia about this. It said that she just auditioned and got it, got the role instantly. I was like, really? Clearly. She, well, I mean, she obviously had connections because she was in Halloween. Uh, she, I think she's in the fog as well. Um, as far as I remember. Uh, right. Okay. And that's, uh, even, that's. Is she in um the other thing? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, or maybe not. Uh, she's in a few John Carpenter. Know. So this is Nancy K Kyes K K Y E S. She played was it Annie in the original Halloween, where she she's the one who's ba- actually the babysitter. Is that right? Yeah. I liked her in Halloween. I thought she was good in Halloween. Um, I didn't. My internet's really slow. It won't let me load her page, so I'm just going to go back to the main page. Uh, but she's I mean she's not got a big part in this. She's just she's his kind of naggy wife, really, isn't she? Yes, stereotypical hysterical wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He phones her up being like, Our kids are in danger. Take the masks off and she's like, You're just jealous. It was like well, if you in fairness, if you if your if your partner rang you saying the the mask is going to if you put that mask on our kid it's going to melt their face and bugs are starting going to come out of it, you'd probably be like, eh. Yeah, he Hi. he also he's clearly a shit dad. Like he's clearly a really bad father as well. So she's probably like, yeah, this is the end of a. She's at the end of her tether. But do you want to? Uh, we do our synopsis now because we're kind of diving into the the plot here. Okay. Do you? Uh, how do you feel, Fergal? This is a, a tradition. Oh, I feel horrendous. Uh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> it's going to be the worst one you've ever had. I've. Uh, you should listen. Which one did I do, Paul? Which was like, oh, I did Hocus Pocus, which is my favorite film. It was literally the worst one that we've ever done. So listen to that, and you won't feel so bad. I haven't listened um, to that yet, but I, I have, will. Um, it's. A, I love that film as well, actually. I have a timer here, which I'm going to share out my screen, so we're all on the same page here. Oh Jesus! Uh, okay. okay. Everything. And are you ready? Yeah. Set. Ready? Kind of. Take it away. Go. All right, so uh, we open the film. Great intro music. Uh, 
stereotypical John Carpenter kind of uh, keyboard stuff there. Uh, it's the 23rd of October. It's Northern California. Uh, there's a man running away from a guy chasing him in a suit. Um, he goes to a petrol station um, and he has a, a pumpkin mask in his hand. Uh, he's uh, There's a guy serving in the petrol station um, and he basically um, ends up uh, uh, what happens? Does he end up? Does he get killed? Uh, yeah, he's like under a car. Oh yeah, car he's, he's saying that everybody's going to die. Um, he ends up pulling the thing from under a car. Uh, a slowly moving car almost <laughs> somehow kills the man in the suit, which is a bit strange. Um, then uh, the guy from the petrol station brings this guy to a hospital where there's an alcoholic doctor. He has issues with his ex-wife, uh, and um, basically um, he starts telling people in the hospital that everybody's going to die. The doctor kind of takes this quite personally and goes on a quest for the rest of the film to kind of find out what's going on. Um, uh, a guy in a suit comes into the hospital. A similar guy from, like, the guy from earlier in the film comes into the hospital um, and kind of chokes or crushes the guy's face and puts his fingers into his eyeballs um, and kills him. Um, and then he goes outside and pours uh, petrol over himself and blows up his car and sets himself on fire. Uh, our main character, the doctor, is like has to go and investigate this. Um, the guy who was... At the start of the film, who was saying everyone's going to die, his daughter comes into the hospital, um, kind of sleazy doctor, and uh, <laughs> her kind of kind of go off on a little um, mission where they end up having sex and stuff. <laughs> they go find a motel uh, in this town, which is called Santa Mira. I think it's a fictitious town where uh, the Silver Shamrock Company are manufacturing Halloween masks. So right throughout the film up until this point. We've seen uh, we've seen an ad on television which has the music of London Bridge is falling down. Weirdly enough, um, but uh, it's this ad for Halloween masks, and it's like eight more days to Halloween, seven more days to Halloween, whatever, and it's kind of building up to Halloween. So the sleazy doctor and the daughter of the guy who was uh, predicting Armageddon are go, they go and find some motel in this town, Santa Mira, which is the home of the factory that produces these masks. Um, and 25 seconds Jesus what else happens uh, they go into the factory uh, eventually um, there's this old guy he's an Irish guy Dan O'Hurley he's the head of this company and he um, is making the Halloween masks basically so that he can kill children on Halloween night as human sacrifices <laughs> they yeah <laughs> they kind of they the crux of the film they, they file his plan uh, kind of to a degree um, but not really uh, ding 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 Jesus this is awful sorry don't worry about it. Don't worry about keep it. Keep going, going. Keep going. Keep going. Um, so at the end of the the film, your man is vaporized into wherever he came from, um, and the alcoholic doctor guy is frantically ringing the TV networks, telling them to take off the ad because there's a microchip in the masks that when this ad is triggered on Halloween night, it's going to kill all the children. And uh, he gets two of the TV networks to take down the ad, but the third one we're kind of left on a cliffhanger. We don't know if the ad is taken off the air or not. Um, and that's kind of the end of the film. Uh, Sorry yeah. about that. That was awful. Hey. Hey. Uh, well that, I'm that a, I would bad, say that's actually. in the top half of ones that we've done. To be honest, I think that's pretty good, Virgo. <laughs> also, <laughs> this is yeah. That was that was that was pretty good. Yeah, that's that probably the most concise of all our guests who have gotten it in the two minutes and forty. So well. When done. you said twenty five seconds, Sarah, I wasn't sure if I've been talking for twenty five or if I had twenty five left. This is so easy. I missed the whole Stonehenge so thing. Sorry. Oh yeah, well, it's so easy like to to get wrapped up in the first sort of. I'm really clear about what happens in the first five minutes, so I'll talk about that for like the whole two forty, and then just forget about the whole rest. But yeah. this film has that's a great word that you use on your podcast a lot, Fergal Fluten. This film Fluten. has an awful lot of fluting going on, because and that's why it's probably hard to do a synopsis for this, because there's a lot of shite that happens that 
doesn't really there's a bit of setup and payoff but it's not very satisfying like i was waiting so long in this whole film to be like what are these what's happening what's happening and then oh yeah the masks kill children yeah and then they're like why, yeah. why did they try and kill that guy at the start? Why were the men in suits coming after I, that guy? I have no idea why why they were trying to kill him. Did he know? Yeah. I guess maybe well, he discovered what they were doing. He so he was a he was selling these masks and he obviously went to the factory and then saw what was going to happen and then maybe got away. I think and then your man sent these zo- uh, robot things after him. Right, I think, I think that was him. Yeah, okay. leaving an extremely big trail like. Like obviously, yeah. the I just found this film. I I f- I feel I felt the okay. Kill all the kids with the masks, and that's fine. When you look at the first, the original Halloween, and to a lesser extent, Halloween two, so much tension, and there's this kind of stalking, quiet, and then he's there, and you know, it, it's this kind of uh, really tense scenes. There was no tension in this whatsoever. There was no. Is he going to be, you know, are these robots going to get him? Are they not, you know, it just, you didn't I, really care. Yeah. You weren't sort of like feeling any sort of empathy or surprise for the for the main characters that were being hunted. I think, yeah. I, think I, I kind of, like the original Halloween film has a very, very simple plot. If there's any plot, it's basically a guy breaks out. Uh, of a en- mental institution his doctor is chasing him as he murders people before he's caught that's it so it's very you know where you stand the whole time well this film has a really convoluted plot that i i think it kind of it was more plot than it really knew what to do with so yeah. it ended up with like like obviously the guy the the robot that kills the man in the hospital and then he lit himself on fire and i imagine that was to kind of so there would be no traces back to the to the factory, right? Is that fair to say? That he blew himself up so there'd be no trail. Yeah. But mm. there was a body. What happened to the, the robot that was killed by the like the car that was moving extremely slowly? Yeah, that's true. And why did the robot get killed by the car that was moving at like a quarter, <laughs> yeah. a quarter of a mile per hour? <laughs> <laughs> They're quite um, uh, fragile robots. Like, your man punches yeah. one through the chest as well later on. Um, and, and like... I, yeah, go There's on, a sorry, combination of yellow goo and also wires. So, like, I don't know of any machines in modern <laughs> technology that I can think of that are filled with yellow goo. Uh, I'm not sure what the purpose of it is, but uh. it was some special Stonehenge goo. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I also thought like I didn't feel there was a very strong connection between what the men, these robots, were doing and the magic with the masks uh, he does kind of in a he kind of has a throwaway line about oh we just make it's just another mask to make <clears throat> yeah but i kind of thought that he was going to turn the children into these evil i thought they were like possessed men or something and i yeah. thought the masks were gonna because there was no i thought the masks were gonna turn and that would i would have been more interested had the child turned into this evil killer and then murdered his parents that would have been more interesting to me mm. Ooh, do you know it would have been so interesting if that was the case where the where the child became this murderer and killed the parents and then that's what happened to michael myers Ooh. Ah, well. now oh. see that's the best opportunity john carpenter yeah and, and that would explain the mask that he well, i know he, he stole that mask in the original yeah. film but there would be still a kind of a uh, an arduous link there um yeah, yeah that that's been, good. That's yeah, good. that is good, Con. Let's rewrite this. We should that would have been a good thesis statement. 
<laughs> Was that your thesis statement? No, it's better than my Maybe thesis statement. thesis statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have to get a new jingle. Yeah. I found the, 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 the unconnected link between the robots and the masks really disappointing. Do you know what's odd as well is that they did turn um, the the daughter of the ma- the, the guy from the start, they did turn her into a robot because at the end of the film, uh, she's a, she's all of a sudden a robot and she tries to kill um, Alco Doctor guy. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if the, if the implication was they converted her into a robot or was she like always a robot that was sort of planted... To sort of I don't think she was always a robot because oh, geez, I think you're giving it too much credit to her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I she would have stopped. Runs that she deep. Was, yeah, she I was mean, turned into a robot. She, I mean, it's funny, like because when she does attack him in the car at the end, I actually think she acts that quite well. She has the kind of the blank expression, pretty, pretty good. Like yeah. she, but we've been with her for like ten I minutes. Do, I don't know if that's just her resting expression. But. <laughs> We've been with her for like 10 minutes since he saved her and she's been like in peril and like, you know, like with a frightened expression and she did the whole stupid Scooby-Doo sneaking behind the the masks and everything. <laughs> and then she didn't try to defend any of the other robots. So it it was a fun little twist. Oh no, but like it didn't hold, it doesn't yeah. hold water. What, what about this lecherous doctor guy slapping the nurse on the ass? For <laughs> <absolute time>? <laughs> <No>! <laughs> oh my God. What the hell? This, this nurse, nurse walking down and she's like, uh, he slaps her on the ass and she's like, ooh, I play for keeps. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I should have married you. <laughs> yeah, he's also there's flirting with the, uh, the pathologist as well. He's like, oh, I'll buy you dinner when we get back. While he's like yeah. 10 minutes after writing the other one. Yeah, it's like he hasn't encountered a female character that he hasn't like sexually made advances on or <laughs> had some kind of thing on the side with or whatever. He actually hasn't though. No, yeah. No, every, you got, you've got his ex-wife, ass-slapping nurse, uh, like flirty pathologist, whatever, and then uh, the girl he ends up having sex with as well. Like every female character he interacts with in the film, there's like a sex underline. Yeah, of you kind of feel like normally in a film, they, you know, all that carry on would be sort of trying to make you not root for that guy or to to be against that kind of person um but in this he's the hero that saves yeah the film never frames it like that's a bad thing person yeah yeah. what's that the film doesn't frame it like the film just frames it like oh this is fine like it's not like do you know sometimes films they set up these things that like oh this guy's a sleazebag or this guy is not a nice guy so that we were looking forward to them getting their comeuppance but the film frames this as just oh this is fine it was the 80s in fairness though so yeah. it's all fine back yeah. then <laughs> <laughs> there was also a scene where um, you know the family who get are, are brought to the factory and have the tour and then end up dying oh, because yeah. the kid puts the mask on uh, the dad walks in and says oh what's happening here and the wife's like mm, yeah. don't ask me <laughs> <laughs> ask the, <laughs> the women in this are, are idiots <laughs> a lot yeah, of them are it's not, it's not yeah, favorable to women at all no i mean I what's that scale uh, uh, about a female character interacting with a what's the up the no yeah i mean anyway, yeah. there are female it actually does pass the bechdel test do you know when what it passes it? yeah Come on. Uh, go on. Uh, Marge is the the lady who owns a shop in San Francisco, and she has a little chat with uh, with uh, Ellie, oh, yeah. uh, who who is the main girl, and they just have a chat outside. And she's like, "Oh, you have to visit my store in San Francisco sometime when you're here." 
Oh yeah, fair enough. That's a good my, point. Oh, but my impressions of this movie <laughs> have just dramatically changed. <laughs> Marge, think, what, a, what a pointless character she was, really. She just she was just the there to have a death, just, really, wasn't she? I I get again a bit of trivia about the person who played Marge. She didn't. She wouldn't even wear the horrible mask when uh, <laughs> when when she got zapped. She 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 wouldn't wear it, so they had to get a body double in to wear the mask. Why like, not? Your whole point for being in the movie, and you won't do it. Oh really? She like refused to. Yeah, she refused to do it. No way. She only got the part. She was she was actually the wife of the main doctor, so that's why she got the part. I'd say the actor. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. Although fair play to her, it yeah. stood to her because look at all the classics she's been in recently. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even have a photo on I am DB. <laughs> Do you want to kind of just briefly... I mean, this, I find this film... There's not a whole lot to really put your, uh, kind of focus on. Do you want to talk about the main characters? Like, we got Daniel... Uh, Tom Atkins playing Daniel uh, Chalice, I think. You say he's a TV actor. I don't recognize him at all. Did, Did I say you that? Seen him? Yeah, I thought you said he was a TV no, actor. No, just got, like, he yeah, just he reminds me of, like, a TV actor from the 80s. Like, Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole thing was kind of like a more convoluted episode of a Murder, She Wrote or something. Yeah. It was kind of... Te- you can imagine it being slightly Tales of the Unexpected. If this was an hour... If this had been shortened to an hour and they trimmed the fat, there, there is a slightly... Like, got rid of the robots. You don't need the robot men. Just have children suddenly getting sick for whatever reason... And then someone investigates this creepy... T- I think the whole idea of like arriving in a town and everybody in the town watching you, that's kind of creepy. Mm. And then finding out that there's this witch doctor or some sort of witch person putting curses on masks to unleash some curse. I think that there's something yeah, in that. I mean, yeah. you, could, you could tell when they got to the, the town that they were trying to lean into this creepy vibe around the town, but I don't think it really worked. And like when they were calling, oh, curfew there's a curfew but then no like he was able to go out still people out and about (laughs) yeah there was no problem with him going and there was there was like an alcohol a town alcoholic as well who had his head pulled off in like almost a comical scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the like why now like he has been he's stated that he lives in this town and he's been asking for a job in the factory for ages so i don't know i just I, i just i just didn't get it was like they needed a death in that scene so they're like oh we'll just put on a character here so we, we can have another violent death mm. yeah i thought a f- funny thing about the alcoholic guy was like when um when their main character asked him about uh what what's the dan o'hurley what's his character's name uh, Cochran. Cochran, uh Connell Connell. Cochran, yeah when your yeah. man was asking him about Connell Cochran he's like oh he made this town what it is today but then two seconds later he's threatening to burn down the factory um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really inconsistent ramblings from the homeless yeah <laughs> he wasn't bad Dan O'Hurley I did I thought his Irish accent it was inconsistent but I didn't think it was necessarily bad yeah he's from Ireland though he is, uh, yeah, he is Irish. I feel, I feel he was somebody who moved from Ireland and had been living in the States for a long time and his accent, yeah. his, his inflection. And I think Irish he was probably told to put, to enhance your accent, like, you know, like your man. What's your man in that new film, uh, Time? Uh, who was your man from uh, It the Fall and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Jamie Doran. Jamie Dornan, yeah. And his, he's Irish, but his Irish accent has been rinsed at the moment in that new film. So... <laughs> Well, he, he's Northern Irish. Well, well, I'd say this guy put on this Irish accent, or like you know, was told you know, and I Irish it up a bit. Yeah, he wasn't as bad as the motel owner who's Irish. Accent. No, no, he I was frankly <laughs> offensive. 
yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Shamrock City. <laughs> and there's something, there's something kind of cool, like that the the, the the Irishness, like a sound is like is the Irish celebration of Halloween. And I think there's something cool about. Actually, yeah, go on, sorry. I was impressed that they actually said that he said Samhain yeah. because whenever uh, Americans find that word and use it, they always say Sam Hain. Yeah, and there's uh, a, there's actually a band called Samhain, but they the, like it's Glenn, Glenn Danzig. He he went on to be in uh, the Misfits and stuff, but he had a band called uh, Samhain, but he calls it Sam Hain himself. I'm like, it's fucking Samhain. Wow, <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't own that word, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Hain. <laughs> Sam Hain. Uh, I thought he was an like he's probably the best part about it. There was a kind of a creepiness to him. I was quite excited when Dan uh, Daniel came broke in and saw this old hag, and I and I thought that was kind of kind of creepy. And I thought that it was, was a bit creepy. Yeah. Is this the witch that is behind all this season of the witch? But then it, I was so disappointed when it turned out it was a, a dummy. Yeah, and her head fell off. Do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what I noticed as well as like. When the mask finally eats their face, a lot of snakes and insects crawl out. But that was never explained why. And where did the snakes come from? Like, there's a big, massive snake crawling out of people's skulls. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess not, that's not the witchcraft. Angle. I didn't like. I didn't think they, they they kind of made up this pagan. Well, not not that they made made it up pagan, but paganism. But this kind of pagan ritual, Stonehenge rock thing. And then he was like, oh, it's witchcraft. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> that was just so they could so, call it Season yeah. of the Witch. Let's not forget, yeah, they stole a piece of Stonehenge and then <laughs> put, put put bits of it in the masks, I'm assuming. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. they transported it to America. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Fair play to them for placing that little news item early on in the film, though, because, you know, that, that <laughs> was uh, attention to detail there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking about the snakes thing. Wouldn't it have been cool if... The, like because he was like calling back to like pagan times and the Stonehenge thing and like this old ancient magic and that would it would have been fun if he if he had kind of had some throwaway reference that St. Patrick killed all the snakes and you know and got brought Christianity and killed the pagan <laughs> religion so that you know this is his revenge or something I guarantee you I guarantee you if they had gone down that road we'd be sitting here right now going wasn't that such a load of box <laughs> but at least it would have been interesting and it would have tied things together <laughs> One other thing I noticed actually talking about attention to detail, you know the guy whose family were going on the tour of the factory um, and he brings them in, he's wearing a suit. Um, when he comes into the factory initially, he's wearing a yellow uh, shirt and tie with his suit jacket. And then later on in the film, within the same setting in the factory, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, open neck underneath oh. a suit jacket. Yeah. So is, and the oh, wife is in a different dress, they're in a totally yeah. different outfit. I noticed that as well. You wouldn't, you wouldn't <laughs> expect a film of this part of continent continuity. No, I, I, I was shocked. Thank you. Um. There is a nice little touch. Well, there is a, well, there's, there's two things. There's, there's a nice little touch in that the original Halloween appears in this film twice, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, on TV, although it just kind of reminds you that you're watching a big pile of crap. <laughs> um, and secondly, Jamie Lee Curtis's voice is used when they're announcing the curfew and um, also the operator on the film. Oh, I didn't know that. There's a little bit of trivia. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Your research paid off, Khan. <laughs> That's the, the extent of the extent of my um, research. There's one part of this film that I absolutely loved. Uh, it was the was the music and the, sa- okay. the sound in general. When it ended. No, I thought the music. Uh, John Carpenter wrote the music for this, and uh, I love the music in all of his stuff. And I thought, and this. 
there it did bring a creepy element and you know anytime sometimes when he saw one of the robot men there would be this kind of twang and uh, it did give it this lovely yeah. creepy element that was actually the the, the the music actually deserved a better film i thought I quite enjoyed the music as well. Yeah, it's pretty good. T- talking about the, the reference to Halloween in the film, though, it, it brings up the universe question. And again, this film isn't really, you know, some kind of uh, like it's not a very credible film anyway. But like, if we're watching an ad for Halloween in Halloween three, then the character who plays the nagging wife oh, was wow. in the film Halloween. So how can oh. she exist within the film Halloween three as an actress <laughs> in a film that's on telly? So she's playing her. She was. Uh, she, uh, she was playing herself in Halloween three. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> and does that mean that Jamie Lee Curtis, this town, hired Jamie Lee Curtis to be their announcer? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're so obsessed with Halloween. Then I was thinking, like, in what? When was this out? Eighty three. 82, 82. Would would a film from 1978 have been on terrestrial television by 1982? I don't know. Uh, maybe. I don't think so. Back in those days. I think it took years. Well, the original... I think the re- original... Was the original no, no, no. Halloween, though. No, it was 78. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 78 yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think uh, four years is, is long enough for a film to go from the cinema to You're probably terrestrial right. television. <laughs> so that's bullshit. It was so unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> They they also call <laughs> the film the well. immortal like the film as if like the timeless yeah. film. It was like it's four years yeah. old, buddy. Like you know, relax. Exactly. Like it was this timeless classic, but it was again only four years old. They uh, they actually made this film into a book after the film, oh. which was quite successful. It was a bestseller. No way. Yeah. On some uh, ridiculously uh, obscure horror subgenre best-selling list, maybe, maybe <laughs> it wasn't on Amazon at that time anyway. But yeah, they released it in '82 after it was a novelization of the film, and it did really well. And then they re-released it because it did so good in 1984. Well, Isn't that incredible? Very good. Yeah, I th- those novelizations, like who buys them? Like I, I don't like. I don't like know. they do that with James Bond films and and things like that as well, and Star Wars and all type of stuff. Like yeah, they release a novelization of a film. That's already a work of fiction itself. Like, well, who is the market for that? Is it people who are so so obsessed with the film that they will buy anything related to it? Uh, obviously, if it's a bestseller, like yeah. the general public must have actually been interested in it as well. Well, that's yeah, that's a good point. I would have thought maybe they could, for people who you know, they could expand on a few things or give a bit more of a history of of the main villain or something in the book, and that could be interesting for some people. But if it's uh, you're you're right, if it's a bestseller, that means like everybody's buying it. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought that that like would maybe because this film does seem like an early kind of workshop, like a rough script, and like the script could have knew could have used a few more drafts. So maybe the book obviously came out after Con. Yeah, the book came out the after film. Yeah. So I mean, like we said, we all kind of said there is some little glimpses of some a story here that's worth telling. So maybe the book, the author was like, well, look, I'll get the good bits and I'll massage them out and I'll. I'll you know the characters of Dan and what's your woman's name? Dan and it doesn't even matter because they're so Ellie, yeah. yeah. Like Ellie, I think those. I mean, the two of them. I don't even know why he was the main character in this story. Yeah, he was just a doctor and just got yeah. interested in this. Case. Basically, yeah. he fancied her. I think no and was like, "Well, look, I'll do this for her." You kind of think he would be more interested in just you know getting drunk and being a misogynist. Yeah, I I did enjoy seeing him buying a six pack of Miller High Life and and leaving it on the phone box. He kind of had a he kind of had a a poor man's um, Tom Selleck thing going on. (laughs) 
did all right, yeah. Um, yeah, look, so, so apologies about making you watch this. Um, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember it being better than I found it this time, and I don't know why. It must have been everything must have been right, like the the moon and the stars must have been alive. <laughs> I watched this film and I, I thought it was good, but it's not really, to be honest. But I have to say, watching a film to kind of critique it made me enjoy it a lot more because I've never done that before. Oh, okay. So I was watching it, oh. watching it, and taking notes and writing down different things that I noticed and stuff. So from that perspective, I did quite enjoy it. So that might have. Uh, um, Made me a bit biased to think it was slightly better than it is. Really <laughs> yeah. talking about it now, it's it's pretty rubbish. Well, I'd say thank you for bringing this to us because we've 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 gotten into a habit of maybe choosing films that we kind of we know we're going to enjoy. So it's always yeah. nice. Yeah, to yeah at the end of the day, we want to make a good podcast, not necessarily just watch good films. And sometimes it's good to to shite on something. No, I'm still here. I can hear you guys. Have I frozen on you? Okay, so it is time for my statement. Uh, okay, this I don't really have anything interesting to say about the film because what could you say? But uh, I did notice something that I thought was interesting that I did a little bit of extra research on, and uh, it does. This film does have a slight trope or a trend that is very common in films uh, that I think on its own is fine, but when you look at it as a, a whole, it's just something interesting. There's an age gap between the two actors of 24 years. He's 24 years... Uh, what's his name? I keep forgetting their names. Daniel is 24 years... The actor, Tom Atkins, was 24 Atkins. years older than Stacey Nelkin. He was in his late 40s and she was in her early 20s. And uh, there's nothing wrong with an age gap. Uh, I actually had a friend who had a really significant age gap between his partner, and he would feel sometimes that people would think it was a bit creepy, a bit weird. And I think if you're all consenting adults, it's fine. But uh, when you look at Hollywood, there's a huge trend of having male actors like significantly older than their female counterparts. So I just have a few examples here. So Six Days, Seven Nights, did you ever see that film? No, but I'm aware of it. Uh, well, Anne Hesh and Harrison... F Is that the one with Harrison yeah, Ford? Uh, Harrison Ford and Anne oh, Hesh. Yeah. There's 26 years between them. Uh, did you ever see Entrapment? That film about with your lad, Sean Connery? Oh. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Hey, I haven't seen it either, but I, I know it, yeah. Well, there is 39 years between him and Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sean. Uh, as good as it gets, uh, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. Oh, yeah. There's 24 years between them. Uh, Kevin Bacon and Amanda Siegfried were in a horror film that we saw this year, Connor. You should have left. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that, Con? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, 20 yeah. Now, there is, to be fair, but there is kind of a plot point that there's a big age gap between them, but there's 27 years between those two. Mm. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. There's oh, yeah. 34 years. And and these are just kind of huge, big examples. But really, if you look across the boards, like, you know, that, that film uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis as well, um, Phantom Threads, big age gap. Across the board, there's just massive age gaps across the board. And Ewan McGregor even said once that he felt slightly awkward that if you looked at his timeline, um, obviously he's gotten older, but his, like, co-leads co have all stayed the same <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of age. <laughs> Um, and there is a couple, and I think on their own, it's it's fine. It's just that when you look across the board, when you look at fe 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 uh, female actors, uh, women actors, 
It's very rare that they're older than their male counterparts. And there's a couple of examples. Uh, um, uh, Harold and Maude, uh, sees us number one on our list. I was well, going to say that one, yeah. Harold and Maude, <laughs> which is the old, which the entire plot revolves around the age gap between the two of them. Um, so Monica Bellucci was in, I think she was in Spectre, the, the James Bond film Spectre. Okay. With Daniel Craig. Yeah. And uh, everyone was like, ooh, James Bond seduces an older woman. And Daniel Craig was like, she's one year older than me, guys. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and that was like a story because normally James Bond is with women like half his age. Uh, Meryl Streep has been with older men in her films. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is four years younger than her, which is her love interest in Mamma Mia. And then, Connery, we saw that film Prom last week. Uh, she's with... Um, Keegan Michael Key in that, and there's actually 22. He's 22 years younger, which would be very unusual for a male actor to be that much younger than his female love interest. Uh, and then the only other one I could really find was All About Eve, which is back in the 1950s, which uh, Bette Midler was seven years older than Gary Merrill. But it just is interesting. Bette Midler, not Bette Midler, Bette Davis. Sorry. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you caught me on that. That would have gone out. I th- actually. Yeah. I love that film. It's, it's going to oh, oh, that's one of my favorite films. Uh, but it is just kind of interesting that, for whatever reason, when women get older, um, they're no longer seen as kind of romantic. Uh, and I, that list I read is like literally just scraping the surface. Like there's like dozens <laughs> of examples, uh, and it's very unusual for there to be uh, an, of an older woman. Not, not even older but like a little bit older than, but it's really really common for men in their 40s and 50s to be romantically paired with, with, with actresses in their 20s I just think that's an interesting observation think, that you, says lots do you think when uh, a movie is trying to appeal to uh, women that they feel that you know maybe maybe it's more common for women to look at older men and say oh he's older and suave and you know a gentleman and all this <laughs> And guys, when they're trying to appeal to guys, it's like, oh, having a, a younger trophy wife or whatever. Do you think that's the part of their thinking or, or why do you think that is? I, I don't well, I don't think that holds water because Mamma Mia is one of the most popular films of all time and that has like lots that has like a significant amount of like older women with like romance stories so I don't know that film has a gimmick though it has the whole Abbe that's fair gimmick. that's fair so but even I don't know it has huge crossover before it's yeah, done right? yeah that's true yeah okay fair, but, and it's also yeah, it's coming uh, from well, a book. stage musical as well well, like if you look at like well, fine, Sex and the City actually that had a, a romance with a woman as older with 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 Sam Jones, uh, mm. and that did really well. I don't think I think I don't think people would care. I just think that it is it is a sign that when women kind of go over the age of thirty, certainly forty, they're just that is not the type of role that they're considered for anymore. I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm not. I would think that most people probably wouldn't care. But I'm just trying to understand when the the big Hollywood chiefs are making these decisions what what is their thought process what what does their market research tell them why it's okay for the you know it's more acceptable for the guy to be 25 years older uh, than the woman but not the other way around unless it's a plot point a specific plot point well, I, I think f- female actors are placed under far more scrutiny for yeah. beauty like yeah from, absolutely from the get-go like um so you have the likes of people in their 20s getting like um cosmetic surgery and things like that um and it just kind of gets worse mm. from there i think so th- the spotlight i don't think is on male actors as much because a man can have gray hair and wrinkles and still look you know in 
in the term in the eyes of the public is like oh look at him he's aging yeah, yeah, yeah. but for some reason with women it's kind of like oh look at her look how old she is <laughs> or or the opposite it's like look how much work yeah, she's yeah, had yeah. done it's there's never yeah, so it's, yeah. it's kind of a catch 22 you can't win <laughs> but like, yeah, we're exactly. watching uh shit's yeah. creek at the moment and Catherine o'hara is beautiful in it and she's you can tell that she hasn't had I don't know any work it looks like she hasn't had any work done but she's a, a beautiful sort of older lady and I think it's really refreshing when you see that somebody who's you know aging gracefully and uh, and, and not buying into all that cosmetic surgery stuff yeah I think um, what's her name uh, Jane Fonda as well I think don't I don't think she's had mm. anything done whatsoever I remember her speaking oh, really? about it before and like, are you serious well, well, well back when she was in that film Monster in Law how long ago was that now it was about 10 years I'd say was it? Because I, I think I, I could I swear I could tell her, uh, I could swear that she was doing an interview and she mentioned she hadn't had anything done. Wow. And somebody was complimenting how well she looked. So maybe maybe in recent years she has. She but, must um, have had an elixir because she looks incredible. Well, she was the face of all. Yeah. Yeah. She's in her eighties, I think. Oh, she is. Yeah, well into her eighties. But she's had she, I don't know. She had her own sort of cosmetics line or whatever. It's, you can tell that she's always been quite a healthy person, I'd say, and and has taken care good care of herself. It was the Jane Fonda workout video? Yeah, yeah, yeah aerobics exactly, videos yeah, in the eighties. Yeah. 80s, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you seen Fergal? Have you seen the trial of the, the trial of the Chicago Seven? No, no, I haven't actually. No, but the people have recommended. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's good. It's worth watching. But uh, I found out this recently. So it's a true story. And uh, the character that Eddie Redmayne plays, you know that character, Con? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jane Fonda was married to that man, the guy that was on trial. Oh, okay. Yeah, Did you, was wasn't Jane Fonda that got uh, arrested for activism, was it? No. She'd been arrested loads of times. Yeah, she's a big... Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, it, it was, was her. Um, but anyway, that was uh, just a... My, that's that was, the only bit of thing I can yeah, glean from was, this film. That was a nice, that <laughs> isn't it shit? That was a nice segue into just talking about other stuff rather than this film for a few minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just held by it. That is my thesis statement. Post thesis statement. I don't have a whole lot else to say about this film. Does anyone else have anything of of note? One other thing I did like is that at the start, um, the intro, it's a, a digital pumpkin. It's slowly yeah. revealed. Oh, and it's like at the okay. end, you're like, ah, we're yeah, in the yeah, 80s yeah. now. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it is a nice kind of um, recall to the original when, you know, the, the opening uh, scene is, is a pumpkin. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I imagine I that. that would have been the plan had this continued and they had kept it as a, uh, what do you call something when it's, like like Black Mirror uh, and what's the word? A motif or something? Or? No, it's like no. A, you know, like it's like a, a series, but there's only you know, like Tales of the Crypt, where every episode is different. Anthology, that's the word. Anthology. Oh, anthology. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, had this actually been an anthology series, I think the pumpkin would have been the the motif that would have carried through because there's a lot of pumpkins in the original Halloween. You mentioned and obviously the, the the scene. You mentioned about anthology, like if yeah. this being an anth- if this was an anthology before, and you know you, the concept is quite you know having standalone movies every Halloween is a good idea, which it is I think. But the problem is they all have to be good, or people will just won't come back to 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 watch them. Uh, so it, I, I mean, you could say that again about any anthology, uh, any franchise. To be honest, but I mean, but. Uh, a lot of them yeah. kind of lose their their vigor after a while, and then like Halloween did, you know, for a time, and then has to be re- reinvigorated. Well, I'm pretty sure some 
some James Bond films have done atrocious in the cinema, but like they're still doing pretty big box office. Yeah, today. I, I think, but and also with an anthology series, you don't have to constantly rely on, you know, okay, we have to get this killer back somehow. He has to come back, and you know, he has to be killed at the end. But then in the next one, he has to. So yeah. At least with an anthology, you literally just have the. So if you get a stinker, well, the next one could be like, well, this is this is going to be totally different. So you don't have the hangover of the last one. I'm trying to think though, because I think like with James Bond or with the Halloween movies if you have movies with characters that you're familiar with even if there's a stinker you always remember the good ones so you'll go back to it and and hope that they get better whereas if they're standalone ones mm. you've got nothing you're starting from point A every time and then you might go well the last three were shite so the, it's probably this one's probably not going to be great because I think like American Horror Story for an example I watched the first few seasons of that and then it started and they're all the same characters but different stories but then the character started to change mm. and then the stories weren't as good and then I've just kind of lost interest in it I, uh, I think if they had done Halloween 4 as a second anthology uh, film they would have been watching Halloween 3 in it and looking yeah. at how bad <laughs> it was <laughs> Yeah. The undisputed <laughs> third. <laughs> Halloween three. So do you mean third? No. No, I don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um cool. Okay, well before we yeah. before we uh wrap up, um I think we should uh talk about our very distinguished guests podcasts, the feckin' check in. Well before before others. we kind of well hang on, we put it on our list first and then we can tidy this up and then talk about the second check-in oh right okay just because we've we'll uh, gone back to okay it last place uh, there you go. i want to put Done. this at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> was there was there ever any question <laughs> uh, do you think this is worse than nine con i i am conflicted but yes i'm going to put this below nine i never thought nine yeah, would I get off last place but yeah this is going below nine there you go so it's been, it's broken a record <laughs> it's uh <laughs> You know, it, it 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 was nearly uh, nearly catching up with Harold and Maud there, but not quite. Um, yeah. uh, awesome. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Sorry. So um, uh, there you go. That's that's Halloween three and Shine. Uh So yeah. Further Shine, apologies. Shine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, f- f- uh, so Fergal, uh, we—I w- know you because we worked together uh, a long time ago. But uh, in recent, mm. in the last year, we've kind of reconnected via the magic of podcasting. Um, and yeah. you are the co-host of uh, well, you're the host of uh, the host of one podcast, uh, Feck and Metal, and then the co-host of the Feck and Checkin. So tell us about them. Yeah, so me and my friend Toomey have a podcast called The Feck and Check-In, where we crassly use Feck as an acronym. So F is for funny observations, E is entertainment, C is culture, and K is kernels of truth. So we talk about uh, a point for all of those letters each each week um, and uh, it's kind of it's, it's lighthearted it's mostly but uh, the odd time we talk about something a bit more serious but um yeah so we do four segments on each show and uh, it's co-hosted by the both of us but then we kind of split out recently and we each did an individual podcast so Toomey has one called Feckin' Football where he talks about football which I have no interest <laughs> in and then I have one called Feckin' Metal where I talk about heavy metal and I interview people from bands which he oh, has no good. interest in but uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah so I'm the host of Feckin' Metal he's the host of Feckin' Football and both of us are co-hosts of the Feckin' Check-In and they're all available in the same place if you search 
the Feck and Check and Podcast Network on all streaming platforms and oh, all that. Network so. of podcasts. <laughs> <There you are. laughs> I, I yes. can't comment on Feck and Metal because I wouldn't have a clue about metal, to be honest. Um, but yeah. uh, the Feck and Check has become a, uh, a weekly uh, part of my routine. And I, I love it. And I think it's, it's great. And there's a lovely casual, because obviously you guys are, are your best, you're like best mates and such good friends. And uh, uh, my, my favorite part of podcasting is, is often just that I, I'm not a big fan of like murder podcasts or crime ones where they're very informative because I feel you have to like really listen hard and concentrate. I prefer more conversational yeah. ones. And that's why, you know, I like your one so much because you and because the topics are quite ranging like when you're chatting with friends your topics are all over the place so mm. and they're always something that i'm interested in so yeah i think it's great can i ask do you ever yeah I thank mean, you very much I, i've listened to it as well and i wouldn't be a huge listener of podcasts really um i don't like paul mm. just absorbs media like he will have something he'll have three audiobooks he'll have a book he'll have a film he'll have a, th- he'll have a p- podcast yeah. i just sit down in my own thoughts and just look up at the ceiling and just <laughs> think to myself that's been already but um yeah i've i've listened to the feck and check-in uh with paul and, and I, I find it really uh like it's it's so conversational it's just kind of like listening to to two friends having a chat and you feel like you're there uh with them um yeah do, do you ever struggle to come up like these kernels of truth do you ever struggle to come up with those because i feel <laughs> if i if i had to do that every week i'd be like um so this week <laughs> uh yeah the short answer to that question is yes um and often just before we go there <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll uh, give me something give me something we'll come up with something <laughs> so what, what the problem with the feck and checking is we've painted ourselves into a corner with the structure of it and now it's kind of we're too deep into it that we can't change it so we, I, I, I try to, I note down things all the time. Like I note down things that I think are funny or interesting, not just for podcasts, just in general for maybe writing or something, whatever. And um, I, uh, I have a list on my phone of stuff, so I often scan through it and go, ha, huh, hey, I could twist that into a kernel of truth. But it, it's never some bullshit that we don't believe in or find it on it. Like so we wouldn't put in something just for the sake. Yeah, it has yeah, to be something yeah, we're yeah. actually interested in and can talk about. But yeah, the, the structure is kind of restricting sometimes. But, um. I think it's better than no structure because when we did an episode recently where we didn't have any structure, within two minutes, Toomey he was like, I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, no, it is good. Yeah, to have a structure. Like, I'm constantly dr- looking down at my, I have a structure here and I know it off by heart, but you're constantly dripping down just to be like, what's the next thing to do? Mm. So, yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. and like, even on the other one, Feck and Metal, when I have a guest, like, I, I like to let the conversation flow. So, if they start bringing up stuff that I, hadn't expected i like to let the conversation flow but if there's if it veers too far off the yeah. questions that i had planned i get yeah, quite yeah. uncomfortable yeah and then i'm kind of backtracking and going have they answered that have they answered that shit might be sweating and i'd be yeah. like wow <laughs> <laughs> and like i think structure is good in general overall it's like a bit of structure is good but like it, it, it gives you room for um ad hoc yeah. stuff as well like so it's kind of and i suppose because you, your listeners need to know what to expect as well so they come along this journey with you and if it's just a free-for-all then you kind of yeah you don't have that sort of theme that people are used to in that that that's it like if so, somebody told me about their podcast and they're like i just talked to my mate I'd be yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care <laughs> but like <laughs> well if you dress it up a, t- a t- dress it up a tiny bit give it a tiny little bit of a gimmick i think it makes it maybe a bit more appealing to people do you need some kind of brand yeah you do i did marketing yeah, yeah. in college <laughs> i mean i suppose your brand is is, is you guys because that's the the one consistency with every episode 
Yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, the, and also the, I guess the fact. Yeah, I was going to say the 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 fucking metal. Um, Paul laughs at me when I say that I'm into into rock and metal and that. I'm not I'm not uh, not any <laughs> not in any way uh, hugely into it. But you know, I like rock and roll. <laughs> I like rock and or roll. <laughs> Uh, like I went to Metallica last year in Slane. That's about the extent. I, I, I really. All right, yeah, so did I. I actually, really yeah. like. I, I used <laughs> to listen to Metallica quite a lot back then. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. I'm cool. I collected Con- I collected Connor uh, from uh, the end of the day, and it took a while for him to get because obviously Slane was so busy, and it was the first time I think Connor yeah. went to like a proper big outdoor gig. And when he got to me, he was like, yeah. "That was ridiculous. How long it took to find you? <laughs> People were just walking in every direction. I couldn't see." myself think <laughs> take me yeah. home but the music Plain was very ple- the music was very pleasurable <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you, you were you gonna ask um, sorry so, the um so you interview uh you interview uh people who are actually in metal bands so are these kind of local irish metal bands or do you do you do you go further afield or no actually they're mostly uh, American um, so far. Uh, they're bands that are like, they're not like enormous, like they're not the level of Metallica, but they're not small bands either. They're kind of mid-level bands who would like tour internationally and stuff. And I'm, I'm a bit of a groupie, to be honest, at concerts. Like I, I will go up to the, the bands afterwards and start talking to them. So I made a few connections um, over the years and I kind of... Um, capitalized on those and, and asked them oh, all to be cool. guests on the show and then um one of the guys uh he's from a band called night demon and he's also a manager of a couple of other bands so i ended up through him getting access to those bands and stuff so it's a bit of like slutting yeah, around yeah. really and uh, you did say you did marketing in college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um so but yeah it's like i, I kind of just ask people though i find if you ask people they often just say yes it's just getting access to them so none of the bands are so large that you couldn't contact right. them basically um but they're they're not so small that nobody would be interested so but i'll run out of people eventually so i don't really know what yeah. i'm gonna well, do it sounds that, like you're a good networker i'd say we're, we're crap at networking so <laughs> you know i don't even consider it networking because it's yeah, something i actually yeah. like i yeah, find networking yeah. kind of implies a, a falseness or an inauthenticity yeah, to it like point. but I actually like this stuff and I, I like talking to these people so it's um it's a pleasure to do. I don't feel smarmy really about it mm. doing it like. And where can people find like your hand you're on Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff? Oh yeah, um on Twitter it's so Twitter is I'll just give you it's uh, at feck and metal on Twitter or at feck and checkin. Or if you want to go to my personal Twitter it's um it's an anagram of my name. It's at father arhat yearlong <laughs> which is F or a-R-H-A-T-Y-E-A-R-L-O-N-G that's an anagram of um, <laughs> very good well listen we'll put your uh, we'll put links to the podcast on our uh, yeah on our I don't know uh, yeah on, on our, our write up whatever you call it on our stuff uh, while we're on it I might as well right, tell so. people where they can find us so don't forget to check out our website www.silver-screamers.com uh, you can email us at silverscreamers at gmail.com our twitter is at silverscreamers facebook silverscreamers podcast instagram silverscreamers spot silverscreamers podcast and you can find us on itunes spotify soundcloud and your apple podcast thingy majig on your apple iphone uh, Come, we've forgotten one very important thing. Not to be forget, we always forget something. We have a structure. We have a structure. Oh, the coin toss. We haven't. We have to pick our film for next week. Oh, that little cherub. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Um, what's your film, God? Uh, so I'm actually stealing yours from last week because I thought it was a good idea and it involves a dance, a dance school. So I'm going to go with Suspiria. Yeah, and there's uh, witches in it, I've heard as well. Well, yeah, I don't really. <laughs> uh, I thought we might go a little bit more Christmassy. Uh, and okay. I decided to go with The Wizard of Oz. Ah. The oh, you're picking original. really good ones. So going you're picking really good ones these days. And then I'm just like, oh, I want to watch your one. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got a coin toss here. So let's do our coin toss. So we've got 1939, uh, Wizard of Oz. And ooh, I nearly press screen share there. Uh, 1939 is The Wizard of Oz and... Suspiria is 19... Have you ever... 70, odd? Have you ever seen Suspiria, Fergal? I haven't, no. I think I you'd like it. Okay. I, I, do you know, it's one of those films that I recognise the name of because i probably see it on lists and stuff. Um, I've made a mental note of it. But it's never 77 it. anyway. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Are you heads or tails, Paul? I'll be heads. Okay. Tales Suspiria. Suspiria. Suspiria okay, is. So we won't be having a Christmassy one. <laughs> I was going to suggest if we do the Wizard of Oz, we try and do it before Christmas is over, but uh, well. with Suspiria, you can relax. <laughs> we'll make up some... Yeah, do you know what? I was going to say, I'm actually going to go and watch it now so I can listen to the episode. There you go. There you go. Well, there's actually two. Uh, there's there's a remake, uh, which I haven't seen, um, but I assume we're doing the original, Khan, yeah? We're going to do the original because... Oh, yeah, I suppose okay, we could cool. do either because we didn't take the, the, the tens decade but no let's go for well, the original do you want to do i'll do the original we'll go for the original cool we'll, we'll do a bit of both we'll mention both i feel this um, this uh, right, okay, this genre so far has been very uh sort of well i suppose we've done the 80s but we were kind of re- more recent movies so it'd be good to have a, an, an earlier movie yeah cool okay um okay listen well uh thanks for, for very well, much. thank you so much for uh for joining us uh it was a pleasure just yeah. thanks for having me it was a Despite great all pleasure the technical issues we've had uh <laughs> well that's my fault because I bring it with me so <laughs> I think it was all on our end um, yeah listen great and listen have a lovely Christmas yes, and I Christmas. look forward to listening to your podcast in the new year hopefully we'll get this out before Christmas great brilliant cheers. all right cheers great. and same to you have a good Christmas take Happy care a better 2021 yeah. see you later, see you later. bye Sometimes it's good to to shite on something. Both of you are frozen there. Oh, I don't know I if you can, can still hear you, Virgil. No, I'm still here. I can hear you guys. Have I frozen on you? I'm still here. Uh, you're both frozen there. I can hear you guys still. Connor, can you hear me? I can't hear you on Zoom, hon. Ah, bollocks. <laughs>